have you heard about Anchor? It's the easiest way to make a podcast. Let me fill you in on a few things. Like first and foremost, it's free. And there are creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. Then Anchor is going to distribute the podcast for you so it can be heard on multiple platforms like Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and so many more. Even better, you can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. And it's so easy, even somebody like me can do it. Now download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. And I know you hear me. Hi, I'm Will Harridge. And I'm an audio engineer. But you would not believe the amount of mediocre voice actors I get in on the daily. It's scary, honestly. I always want to recommend them to Elise Bowman, who's the best voice acting coach I know. But I'm always afraid I'm going to offend them and be out of a job. Thankfully, I send the best ones over to her anyway over at EliseCoaches.com, and they keep coming back. Hi, I'm one of the mediocre talents that Will has to work with. And really, I'm thinking about looking up Elise myself. Go look at Elise Coaches today and start your career without ending mine. What he said. All right, welcome back to another exciting week here on the I Know You Hear Me podcast with me. Flynn Hendricks. And guys, I want to thank you all again for continuing to tune in and continuing to support this podcast. I want to take a minute and thank our sponsors for their continued support because without them and without you, I wouldn't be able to have awesome guests on like my guest here today. But we'll get to her here in just a moment. I hope that everybody is doing well right now. I hope that the new year is treating you well and I hope you're continuing to make gains and strides on your new year's resolutions. And I hope you're just being good to each other. So I hope this podcast is going to find you in a good place. But again, today, man, I'm going to sound like a broken record because I've got another awesome guest on the line for you. She's somebody that I met, gosh, I guess it was this time last year in a business of voiceover class, which blows my mind to think that we're already a year past that. And, you know, unfortunately, the pandemic is still a thing, but here we are. I was lucky to meet her in a business of voiceover class, and she was one of the people out of that group that I connected with, and now I'm going to have her on the podcast here tonight to tell her story. But before we get to her, I want to make sure I remind you guys to go ahead and follow us on all social media platforms. We're on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Make sure you're subscribing on Spotify or Apple iTunes, wherever you get your podcasts from. And if you are on Apple iTunes, make sure you're leaving us a five-star review and getting the word out to all your friends and family and anybody that'll listen. It's all greatly appreciated. Trust me on that. But now, I've rambled long enough. Without further ado, it is my honor to bring on our guest today. She's a Broadway performer. She is a dancer. She is a musical theater performer. She is an actor. She is a voice actor. She wears a lot of hats. It is my privilege to have on the podcast today, Melissa McCann. Melissa, how are you? Hi, I'm good. Thanks so much for having me. My pleasure. How are you doing tonight? I'm doing well. How about you? Man, I am I'm chugging through and I appreciate you being on especially after you just getting back from your trip to Italy, so thank you for making the time for that as well. Of course, I'm so excited to be here with you. I am too. So, you're one that I've kind of like wanted to have on for a while because 
I don't know too many people in the New York area that have been, you know, like directly affected by the pandemic and the shutdowns and everything. So your story, especially after we met, like I was saying this time last year and hearing like, you know, like some of the things you went through with the shutdowns, you were one of the people that I wanted to talk to right out of the gate just to kind of get inside your mind and see how you dealt with all that. Yeah, it was <laughs> pretty crazy. <laughs> I can um, only imagine. I was actually uh, supposed to leave to do a show over in Italy four days before the shutdown. Oh, man. So it was kind of crazy. I found out Italy obviously got hit really hard yeah. first. So that got canceled. And it, that was a huge bummer at the time. Absolutely. And I feel like we were still totally in the dark. We never thought that it was going to hit the U.S. the way that it did or the way that it hit the whole world. Yeah. So that was kind of crazy. And I feel like out of nowhere, four days after I was supposed to leave, Broadway shut down. And as most people know, Broadway never shuts down. Yep. New York City can have a huge snowstorm and everything closes and Broadway still runs. So it was pretty crazy that Broadway was going to shut down and shut down for a month at the time. And so everyone was like, what do we do? Like, all right, now we're just in our apartments. A lot of people left the city. I ended up staying. Mm -hmm. And my boyfriend and I, we kind of bunkered down. And thinking back, it's just wild to think about what the city was like. I was walking through Times Square the other day, and mm -hmm. it's popular again. There's yeah. tourists, and people are here. It's definitely not as, not as crazy as it ever was pre-pandemic, but... Mm -hmm. Just to see the crowds of people there again is kind of amazing because I used to ride my bike through Times Square and just see no one, just the lights wow. on. And it was it was so surreal and very spooky. Yeah, um, that's the only way I could think then, to describe it. Yeah, but then for months and months, you know, that was just kind of normal life, which was really crazy to have just lived through that and been like, wow, yeah, I experienced that. <laughs> Man, I can't even imagine like just... The visual image in my head alone is, I don't want to say like that old Western town where the tumbleweed comes through, but it's just so, it's so hard to picture that, you know, like that entire area just barren and empty. That just doesn't seem like it fits at all. No, it definitely doesn't. And it really fe felt like it happened overnight. That's mm -hmm. what was so crazy about it. It felt like one day the streets were so crowded and then the next day just completely empty. And you were like, what happened? Man. So, and then the same thing kind of happened. I felt like end of 2020, 2021, picking mm -hmm. up all of a sudden, especially the subways, it was like, wow, we're back. Okay. People are here. Like, yes, we're all wearing masks, but you know, now that people are getting vaccinated, things are opening back up. Like, right a little bit of normal life is coming back. So that sort of felt like it happened overnight as well. It's so funny because, like, I mean, just, just thinking about how all of this has played out now, you know, at the beginning it felt like everything just kind of drug along, like it was just like a struggle to get through that. But now it seems like you blink and everything is literally an overnight process or it all just runs together. Like, I, it's so weird how this has affected our sense of time during all this too. Oh, for sure. Especially in New York, because, you know, New York is the city that never sleeps. Yes, ma'am. So it was crazy to be in New York during the pandemic and feel like I was getting more sleep than ever. And it What's was that quiet. Like? And, <laughs> you know, in the beginning, it was a little 
in hindsight, it was nice. At the time, you know, I was stressed and I don't think I, I said ever during the time that this is great. But yeah. thinking about it, when have we ever had a forced break before? So right, that part right. of it was a little bit like, okay, a little eye-opening that we need to incorporate that into our normal lives of taking mental health breaks and giving uh-huh. ourselves a break and not having to just constantly push through all the time. Oh, yeah. So that was something that I definitely learned from the pandemic. That's uh, among a million other things. <laughs> and I think that's, truth be told, that's another reason that I kind of started this podcast because outside of the acting and the voice acting, my job is considered essential. I guess in some ways I'm technically a first responder due to trainings and all that fun stuff. So I didn't necessarily get that time off, but mm. you know, I, I felt the way that like, like you said, putting a mental health as a priority, taking those mental health days, you know, as we kept pushing through all that, I definitely found it as a priority to take some of that time to myself and, this is one of those outlets, too, because it became easier for me to address the stresses of that situations or those situations, I should say, by having an outlet like this to talk about. But I mean, you're exactly right. Those those forced breaks and those forced shutdowns, looking back at it now, in the moment, nobody knew what was going on. Like you said, we were in the dark. So, of course, everybody's going to be on edge. Nobody's going to look at it as, uh, you know, as downtime to recharge the batteries or, like you said, f- feel like you've gotten some sleep. But looking back at it with quote-unquote 2020 hindsight, it definitely makes a difference. And truth be told, I would take a forced vacation now if I could. I'm just going to throw that out there. Right, right. And, of course, you're like, well, I would rather a forced vacation where people aren't dying. Yeah, of course, of course. And I think, too, it was like it was just so crazy and it was so scary. Yeah. But it was hard to look at it in a positive light. You know, taking away so many things from the pandemic, it's just interesting. I think that the way of life is really going to shift it is. from here on out. And it's kind of crazy to be a part of that and actually like feel like, oh, you're living on such like a precipice of a, a new era almost. That's true. I mean, that's very true. I didn't even... I didn't even think of it like that. But, I mean, that's very insightful right there because technically we are. And, I mean, what we what we knew as normal in the past won't be normal now that this has become a thing. So you're you're exactly right. Yeah, exactly. So it's it's kind of crazy to think about and and also think about the fact that we are still living in it now. Mm-hmm. And I think that's the hardest part to deal with right now is yeah. that we are still in a pandemic. But the world has to push on. We have to move forward. And we just have to adapt to this new way of life. And we really don't know if we'll ever get back what we had pre-pandemic or Mm -hmm. if we want that. Do we want to go back to that? Do we want to keep moving forward? So there's just always so many things to think about and question these days, I feel like. I I think you're exactly right right there, too. Uh, And I mean, it's like... Especially when you see the way people are now and how tense they are, how it's there's really no middle ground on, you know, like the whole vaccinated, unvaccinated thing. And then just the way everything is now, it's kind of weird to think about where things may end up down the road. But it's in some ways, it's sad, too, to think that it's never going to go back to what it was before, because there were a lot of good things there, too. No worries about anything. You didn't have to worry about people dying, like you said earlier, but... 
again, it's right. just like, I don't know, man. That's just the world that we're living in now. Yeah, it's kind of crazy, but it also makes you think about how resilient we are. Absolutely. Um, as people, and especially artists, the artist community, the performing arts, we're such resilient creatures. Yes. And it kind of is amazing. And I personally am really excited because I feel like we're on the brink of an artistic renaissance. Absolutely. I really think that after, you know, the pandemic, people had had time and also what they went through emotionally is just going to be a driving force in new art and expression and, mm -hmm. you know, giving more people opportunities that didn't have the opportunities in the past. So I definitely think that it is a scary, but it's a, it's an exciting time yes. that we're embarking on. So I agree. I 100% I agree. And then, like you said, there are chances now in the acting world that a lot of people may not have had before. And myself included, like, especially for voiceover, I'm not in a major hub. So the fact that everything, almost everything is remote now, that has worked out so well in my favor that I'm, it's crazy to say that I started pursuing this full time during a pandemic, but Again, that's that's just one of those things that worked out in my favor. But going back to it, too, like you said, we're on the verge of a renaissance. There are so many people that haven't had that opportunity to perform or have their outlet like they normally did. They're probably like pent up and bursting at the seams just to get on stage or perform and get that out there. And I think that's going to show, especially if people have already been going to Broadway shows or whatever it may be, I think there's going to be a different level of excitement that the crowd can pick up from the performers on stage too. Oh, completely. I mean, I've been to a few shows already mm -hmm. and just the energy in the theater is, you know, you can you can feel the energy as soon as you walk through the doors. It's magical. And back to what you were saying about voiceover. Yeah, I think that it is really cool that the pandemic did bring the whole, you know, working remote and virtually to the surface more so than it ever was. You don't really have to be in L.A. or New York. Yep. And so I think that that leaves a lot of opportunities for people that maybe thought that they couldn't ever pursue that and didn't have a shot at that. Absolutely. So, yeah, that's awesome as well. Yes, ma'am, it is. And we're going to come back to the voiceover, especially here in just a moment. I want to back it up to the very beginning of your story. Like like I was saying in your introduction, you've done all these different things. You've won all or you've worn all these different performing hats like where did your love for all of this start? Like, what got the performing bug into your life? Like, how did you get bit by that bug? Well, I was bit by that bug as a child. My mom put me in dancing school, mm -hmm. dance class when I was three, because I loved to dance to Barney around the house. Nice, and, nice. Um, I always had a lot of energy. So I went right into dance class. And from there, I just, I absolutely loved it. I joined a competition team and started getting more serious as I got older and I played sports and everything and mm -hmm. I, I really loved just being active, but dance Absolutely. was always my passion. I always had the dream of coming to New York ever since I was a little girl, moving here, living here, dancing here, working here professionally. So that's pretty cool that I actually have gotten to do that. And then in one of my best friends in middle school, she 
is still to this day a beautiful singer and actress. She also is living in New York, pursuing the dream. Nice. And she was like, you know, you should audition for the musical. And I was like, oh, I don't sing. I don't act. Like, I just dance. And she was like, no, come on. Like, you can do it. And they were auditioning for High School Musical, actually. Oh, nice. uh, In seventh grade. And I booked a role. Wow. Um, I played Taylor McKessie and had like a speaking role and like started singing. I was very bad, but (laughs) (laughs) you got to start somewhere. Exactly. And from there, I was just like, oh, wow, I absolutely love musical theater. And that just sort of started my love for that. And I continued training. I ended up going to Pace University here in New York City. I got my BFA in commercial dance. And I just continued to train in acting and vocally here in the city while I was in college. And then I booked a first national tour right out of college and kind of went off into performing professionally. Wow. So when when you make that transition out of college into performing professionally, what were the biggest differences for you? Or was it something that you were just able to take to like a duck to water, basically, because you'd grown up in all this stuff, like you said, from a kid starting in dance to what you were doing in high school and college till that point there. What was that like? Yeah, well, I was really lucky because since Pace is in New York, Mm -hmm. they do encourage students to go out and audition while, while in school. And depending on if you book something that they think is worthwhile for you to take, then you're allowed to work professionally while in college, which is amazing. So I was able to actually start that journey while I was in school. Um, My junior year of college, Mm -hmm. I booked a workshop of a new musical. Nice. And that was how I got my equity card. I worked with Graziella Danielle, who actually received the Lifetime Achievement Tony Award this past year. Wow. Which is really cool. She's brilliant taught me so much. I was so lucky that cast was phenomenal of that workshop. It didn't end up going anywhere, but that was an amazing experience. Absolutely. And then I continued working while in college, which was great here in the city. So then I felt like I was ready to graduate. I was very lucky in that sense because it is a little scary. It's like school, oh, yeah. school takes care of you. It's safe. Mm-hmm. And the real world, you know, doesn't always feel that safe. It's, nope. It can be... Scary. Yeah. So I definitely was prepared, I felt like, when I graduated. And then I really just got lucky, right time, right place, you know, as they say. Mm-hmm. I think that, you know, talent will get you so far. Hard work gets you really far. But it really is a lot about luck in the industry and being in the right right room at the right time and the Very right true. people being behind the table that are interested in you because... Art is subjective, every aspect of it. It doesn't matter how good you are. Someone won't like you. Someone will love you. Mm -hmm. So I got really lucky to book a first national tour right out of college, which career-wise was incredible and also financially was a blessing. Yeah. (laughs) In an industry, you know, that isn't the most steady and consistent. Mm Mm-hmm. That, that uh, brings up a very good question, and then I also want to circle back to something that you said as well. But the first thing, I, I'm very well burst or versed. God, I can't even get my words out tonight. I'm used to all these businesses and these entertainment genres where the work isn't as steady and consistent as most people would like it to be. 
In situations like that, how did you navigate the waters where the opportunities may not have been coming like you would have liked them to, or you had more downtime than you would have liked? What was that like for you? It's never easy. My main thing is that I always tell myself that when I'm working, I try really hard to save as much money as possible mm-hmm. um, so that if I do have a long downtime, a long period of time where I'm not working, I am okay. Right. You know, I still work side jobs, of course, to keep yourself afloat, but New York is really expensive. Oh, yeah. So, <laughs> you know, I always make sure that I'm saving money when I'm working on a contract to prepare myself for this. And thank goodness I did save because I never saw a pandemic (laughs) in my future, you know, and that, and that is scary. And a lot of people did have to leave New York because of that, because, you know, a lot of people here work paycheck to paycheck and some performing gigs pay really well. And then some that are super artistically fulfilling pay like nothing. So it's hard because you have to balance it out a lot. You have to say to yourself, like, okay, what do I need right now? What can I afford right now? I've taken jobs that I've maybe uh, didn't want to, but they paid really well. So you're like, I'm going to go do that contract for three weeks. And I've also taken jobs where they pay nothing. And my agent is like, "Uh, maybe not take that one. And then... Uh, But it's artistically fulfilling and you're like, this is what I want to do. You know, this is how I want to spend my time. Mm -hmm. And, you know, that's always a good thing to remember is that, you know, you have control over that in your life. You get to decide what you want to do and what you don't want to do. Man, hearing that right there, like it's such a simple statement, but it is so powerful too. I think if more people would stop and just maybe replay that line right there that you just said, that would make a lot of people's lives so much easier too. Yeah. And I think happier as well, because I think a lot of times we here, especially in America, we admire people that work so hard that Mm -hmm. they get no sleep and, you know, they're grinding, grinding, grinding. And if that does make you happy in that moment, then that's great. But if it's not making you happy, then it's worth reevaluating and figuring out, okay, how can I get to my goals and also stay sane and keep myself mentally healthy? That's like a huge thing. Yes. Yes, it is. I think the pandemic really brought to life, thank goodness, because it's important. Yes. And I think I might have to hire you to be the spokesperson for this podcast now because (laughs) you just put so much into perspective. And I mean, like everything you just said, like we admire or it used to be the cool thing to admire these people that would do that. And I know like in previous generations, that was kind of the thing to do. The guy would go to work all the time. He would work five, seven days a week. I know that was something my grandfather did. And, you know, he would he would just provide, but he wouldn't rest and that was my college experience. It was school, work, wrestle three to five times a week, not sleep. And I'm, you know, 10 years later, that's all caught up to me. And I'm trying to break that habit now because I am completely and mentally worn down. But I mean, you're exactly right. Like that stigma is something that can be dangerous to a lot of people too, because it can cause them to lose passions that they have outside of work, whether it's like acting, art, whatever it may be. And they lose track of what makes them happy just because they're trying to fulfill a cycle that 
has been ingrained in so many people for so long. Yeah, that's so true. And it's hard. I mean, I preach these words and sometimes I'm really bad at actually living them. If I have a lot of time on my hands, I'm like, okay, like, what can I do to be like so productive? Yes. And a lot of times I'll end up taking a class that ends up being super fulfilling and mm -hmm. also potentially move my career forward, which right. is great. And then sometimes you're like, okay, maybe I can take a night off and watch some TV. <laughs> yeah. Just recharge your batteries. And like it, it shouldn't be that much of a struggle within yourself to give yourself that time off, but that's yeah, just and not, human nature, and not I guess. Feel, yeah, exactly. And not feel guilty about it. It's Absolutely. so silly that we feel guilty if we take time off. Yes. Where I actually have realized that when I allow myself to take the time off and recharge and give myself time to just like play and be and and not have to be so work focused, mm -hmm. then the work is so much better. Absolutely true. It's one of those things too. I've been hearing it a lot more now too, especially like in the voiceover realm or, you know, even on screen auditions, the casting directors or anybody that's listening to your audition can tell whether or not you want the job that you're trying to, you know, that you're auditioning for, you're trying to book, or if you're just going through the motions of that too. And I think that having the time to recharge your batteries so that you can play and have fun during that makes all the difference in the world in that audition process too. Oh, completely. Because we forget that we do what we do because it's fun. Yes. Because we love it. And I know that even I forgot about that too because mm -hmm. what happens is, at least for me, it was all of my hobbies as a kid became my career. Right. So then someone says to me, what's your hobby? And I'm like, oh, well, I like to go take dance class. And it's like, well, no, you do that for work now. Like you do that to train for your career. It's not really a hobby. And you're like, oh, I guess that's true. Like it does kind of fall into two categories in my uh -huh. life. Then you have to think to yourself, okay, well, I should find some other hobbies then. Something I do like just for fun yeah. to just decompress and de-stress and allow myself to have a good time and not think about anything else. Absolutely. And I feel like all of this has been just like this awesome epic build up to uh, the second question I was going to ask you, which is... Going back to childhood, going into middle and high school, even when you were playing sports and you were doing dance and everything and you're still doing dance now all these years later, what is your process to avoid the burnout from something like that that you've been doing for so long that you're still passionate about? How do you avoid the burnout and making it feel like it's work and keeping it fun? Like, What is the process for you on that? I think for me, the process is always going back to the studio. Mm -hmm. As soon as I'm back in a class again, whatever the class may be, dance class, acting class, voiceover class, a vocal lesson, as soon as I go back to just a class, I try to just step outside and just say, okay, I'm just going to this class today for fun. Yeah. There's no expectations, you know. I'll go to a class, make sure that it's not like being filmed, nothing's being recorded. I think that's the way that I really avoid or try to avoid at least burnout because I have to remember why I started doing this yes. in the beginning. You know, I have to remember why I fell in love with it because, you know, it blurs those lines. It's your passion, it's your hobby, and then it's also your job. And as soon as I feel like creatively stuck, 
I get back into a class because class is all about playing and about taking a risk and falling flat on your face or making a choice that doesn't work and then figuring out how to make a better a better choice. That's the fun of it all. So I think that I I go back to class and then I also have been learning how to just allow myself some time away and to just take take some space, do some other things, hang out with friends, just do things that take my mind off of it and not have to be so focused on my career and work 24/7. I love um, that. And I, I got to take some pages out of your book on that too. So yeah, the other thing that I've found during the pandemic, I've been not so great with it in the past few weeks, but journaling, journaling oh. has, has really helped me. I'm in the process of finishing a book called the artist way. Mm-hmm. Have you heard of it? I've heard of it, but I haven't had a chance to actually read it yet. It is incredible. It's a 12 week course. And by course, I mean you just like go through the book week by week and you do the assignments. And the first thing you learn are morning pages, which I am not the best at actually sticking to them. But when I do, it is life changing, you know, just getting up in the morning and writing three pages of whatever comes to mind and then just starting your day fresh from there. It really just kind of helps you navigate and put things into perspective then you look back and it's like oh that was so silly why why did I focus all of my energy on that right so that is something that I've kind of used throughout the pandemic to work through when I've just gotten into some like tricky spaces I love that thank you for reminding me about that book that is now on my uh my wish list to read after I get through some of my other books here so man thank you for that It is incredible. I recommend it to anyone, anyone in any field or industry that is just feeling creatively stuck or creatively blocked. It's a really amazing book that gives you so many tools to figure out how to just like keep moving forward and navigate all of the uncharted waters that you're going through. Absolutely. And they're going to get a free plug here. I'm going to have a link to that in the show notes for this episode if anybody wants to check that out as well. Great. All right. My next question, because we met through voiceover, the class we were in was a business of voiceover class. With all of your other performance backgrounds, what pulled you into the voiceover genre? You know what's so funny is I actually don't really know exactly when I was like, oh, I I kind of want to do voiceover. It was winter of 2019, Mm -hmm. so a year before the pandemic. And I think I was just going through one of those times where I was trying, I was like, you know, I need to just like get into a new class, like something new, something different. I want to learn something new. And I saw that Ripley Greer, which is one of the studio spaces in Manhattan that holds auditions and Mm -hmm. you can rent the studio space to use, has a voiceover studio and they hold classes there. I'm not sure if they might be doing them now. But before they like ran them all the time. And I was like, you know what? Voiceover would be kind of cool. I have no idea if I'm any good at it. Right, right. But that could be something I'd be interested in. So I took the voiceover class and it was a really cool group of people. Like most of the people in the class were not performers. They like had like finance jobs. I remember sitting there being like, how did you end up here? Like how did you find out about this class? But I thought that 
it was really cool and they brought something so unique to the class and I learned so much from them that I just don't think that I could have ever learned from another performer necessarily. Absolutely. So that was really cool. So that kind of got me interested. I guess voiceover was happening remote, like people were doing it from home, mm-hmm. but I didn't have a, a booth. I think I, I actually bought like a $30 microphone from Amazon right. just to like practice. But yeah, that was kind of it. That happened and I was like, oh, this is cool. Maybe I'll take another class again. And then I did take another class again and I was like, oh, okay, I like this a lot. And then the pandemic happened and I was just searching for ways to feel creative. I mean, I was making dance videos in my apartment, just like whatever I could do just to feel some semblance of creativity again. Absolutely. Um, And I was like, oh, what about voiceover? Like, I'm sure that there's a lot of online voiceover classes happening. I didn't really want to do an online acting class. Yeah. I didn't feel motivated to work through Zoom. I was just like, oh, acting is, it's such an in-person thing. And I just didn't feel motivated to do that. But I felt like I needed to get into a class. And that was sort of how I stumbled upon getting back into voiceover and found the business of voiceover class that we took together. Mm -hmm. And yeah, that was kind of that. And then after that class, I was like, you know, I'm, I'm interested in this. And I got a microphone and an interface set up for Christmas. I moved apartments and we had an extra closet, which is very rare in New York City. Right. So I've heard. And, and we were like, okay, I think we could convert this into like a little booth. And we did. And it's been really nice to just come in here and get on the mic and feel creative in a completely different aspect from any other part of my life. Absolutely. And do you feel like that's kind of an outlet now? I don't know if even saying to avoid burnout would be a good way to phrase the question, but do you feel like sometimes voiceover is another way to extend the creativity? That's maybe a better way to ask it outside of what you do in the studio. Yeah, totally. And I just love getting on the mic. I've taken a few classes with Deb Sperling, who mm-hmm. is absolutely amazing, and she teaches an authenticity in voiceover yes, class. Yes, she oh, she's amazing. And Oh, have you taken with her? No, I've communicated with her a few times, but oh. that's on my list of classes to take. She's phenomenal. I completely recommend it, and she really just, like, inspired me to just get back on the mic again and, like, keep playing, and... Also, in her class, like, everything started to click. I was like, oh, why am I not using all of my acting training in voiceover? Like, I felt like I was really, like, compartmentalizing everything in my life. And I was like, wait a second. Like, performing is performing, whether you're on a stage in front of a thousand people or behind a microphone. So I took that class and all of a sudden was like, oh, my gosh, I'm not using all of the resources and tools I have in my toolbox to bring to voiceover. So that was really cool and really eye-opening and inspired me to get back on the mic again. And it's been really fun. And I just feel really creative whenever I'm in the booth alone. It's like my little safe space. I feel like I can just go. I'm by myself. (laughs) I get it. And it's like, it's dark in here. It's not too bright. So (laughs) it's nice and like calming. Yes. Yes, it is. 
I can escape the world for a few hours when I'm in my booth. Absolutely. I feel every word of that right, like right in the pit of my stomach because it's so true. But one thing I've struggled with is I, I've had live stage experience. I've had improv experience, although unfortunately, I haven't got to meet most of my improv group face to face. Actually, I haven't got to meet any of them face to face yet. It's all been through Zoom, but mm. there's still there's still energy to feed there. But when you're in a booth by yourself and you don't have a coach directing you or you're you're doing yourself directing, basically, what are some difficulties that you encounter, especially coming from a live performance background? Like, do you feel like you need other people there to feed off of or do you find yourself kind of? over critiquing and getting in your own way so to speak totally i mean i would love to audition in person for voiceover oh yeah and you know have a casting agent there guiding me and directing me that is like the dream that i hope to like get to especially like with things opening after the pandemic right right because i feel like i overthink everything same it's a weird thing listening back to yourself. Yes, it is. I feel like that was never something that I really did. I never recorded an acting class and then listened back to myself. If anything, it was on video. But even then, you're like, you're looking at your facial expressions yeah. and you're critiquing everything, not just your voice. Yes. So all of a sudden, I was like, oh my goodness, why do I say certain things certain ways and all of a sudden overthinking how you're phrasing things. So that is definitely something I still struggle with, but I try to step away. I try to not overdo it. In the beginning when I was auditioning, I would spend an hour on a 15 second commercial copy. Same. Just like drilling it, drilling it, drilling it, and then come back and be like, oh, all of this sounds horrible. But it was because it wasn't fresh any longer. I was spending way too much time on it. Right. So now I try to give myself a time cap and be like, okay, when it's up, it's up. And you're going to like submit what you have and just like let it go. <laughs> Absolutely. Have you found yourself starting to adapt the, what they call the submit it and forget it mentality as you've been doing auditions? Yeah. You know, what's funny is it's actually really easy for me to do that in voiceover Mm -hmm. and it's so much harder for me to do that with theater and on camera (laughs) and I think it's just because voiceover isn't my primary source of income or anything at the moment it's sort of like my side passion thing that if I book something it's like exciting and like yeah it's like a little uh, ice cream cone. I'm like, oh, yay, great. Right. <laughs> I booked it and it's fun. And I think also I do, I sometimes do better with voiceover because I don't care as much. So it's hard. It's like you kind of have to adapt this not caring mentality, which is super hard to do when mm-hmm. you are passionate yes. about what you're putting out there. Very, very true. And then like you were saying too, when you go back and you rewatch or you re-listen to something When you're in that overly critical mode, especially of yourself, because God knows we're our own worst critics, while you're spending the time critiquing everything that you could have done right or what you think you could have done right, you miss so many things that actually made that audition special or made it good. That's one of those things, too. Like like you, I've had a problem Like at the start, especially I would spend an hour, hour and a half 
going back and redoing or re-editing something instead of just accepting it for what it was and like, man, that's the best I can do instead of just burning myself out doing that same audition over and over again. Totally. Because also, you never know what they're looking for. Like, they put the specs there Mm -hmm. and they say they're looking for someone that sounds like Brad Pitt. But they probably actually aren't. Right. So if you do an interpretation of Brad Pitt, then that's definitely not what they want. Right. (laughs) You know, what you have to do is you just have to bring yourself to it. Absolutely. And ultimately... If that's not what they want, it's not what they want. And you could never be what they want at that point. Yep. That's why you just have to be you. And if you're bringing your most authentic self to the piece, then that's all you can ask of yourself. Very, very true. And then going back to something else you said in there too, it may not be what they want or you may not know what they want. I've come to find out too, and I don't mean this in any type of disrespectful way, but Nine times out of ten, sometimes they don't know what they want. So it's just one of those, they'll know it when they hear it. Yeah, I sometimes think it's a good thing if they don't know what they want. Because then they can be more open to, oh, actually, I didn't hear the copy that way. But now that, you know, you put this take on it, that's really cool. And now we want the commercial to go in that direction. And it's so funny, too. Like, a lot of what you hear now, or the specs you get now, they don't want the professional sounding. They want the casual conversational sounding, you know, and that's... Of course, That's way too easy for me to get in my own head because half the time how I would talk in a conversation is not how I would read that. So, you know, it's like, ugh. Yeah. (laughs) It's tricky. There's definitely... It plays with your head a lot. That's for sure. Yes, it does. And... That's something, too, especially going back to the subjective nature of everything, too. Did you encounter a lot of that in the acting genre where, like, you do the audition or you do the performance and you know you nailed it, but it wasn't what they were looking for? How did you process, like, a situation like that? Oh, all the time. That happens so frequently. Even if you coached with someone, you worked with someone, you're like, this is an awesome audition. And it's just not what they were looking for. And that's okay. It doesn't mean you're bad. It just means you weren't right for that job. Or the amount of times that they're like, you were great. We loved you, but it just didn't go your way. You know, that happens all the time too. And so learning to deal with rejection is just a huge part of the industry that it's funny. Everyone deals with rejection, right? Like everyone in all aspects of life, dating, friends, this, that, like, there's so much rejection all all around, but I don't think most people really know yeah. <laughs> how much rejection performers go through. <laughs> because, you know, you might have a few job interviews, but you're not usually going on a hundred plus job interviews in no. a year. No, you're not. And if you are, <laughs> that you're gonna question and- your resume. Exactly. You're you're probably going to find a new occupation at that point. Yeah. But for performing, that's totally normal. Right. You know, and the auditioning never stops, even if you have a job. Absolutely. You're usually auditioning for another one because yep. it's either a quick job or it they all end at some point. Right. And that's something, so, too. Everybody, you know, unfortunately, you may be the voice of something for so many years, but unfortunately, too, you're going to have to deal with the part of, at some point, they may just get tired of your voice and they may find somebody new or the contract expires. So like you said, it's a lot more, 
interviewing and hustling for the next job than it is in the quote unquote real and corporate world. So. Oh, yeah. I always say you are a professional auditioner. Yes. You're not a professional performer because you are go. I mean, you are a professional performer. Yes. But you have to look at yourself as I'm a professional auditioner because you're going to do that way more than you're going to work. Absolutely. Absolutely. And then going back to something with that, too, especially when the pandemic started and a lot more people started jumping into the uh, into the voiceover realm. Have you found yourself, like, especially getting auditions, have you found any difficulty? And I don't even know if this is something some people are aware of, but do you feel like the market has gotten maybe saturated with people that are doing auditions but don't have a proper setup or are just doing this for fun or whatever it may be and not taking it as seriously as most other people are? Have you found, oh, like, yeah. any issues with that going on since the pandemic started and since you jumped into it? Yeah, I would say the voiceover industry is completely saturated right now. Mm-hmm. I can't speak on how it was pre-pandemic because I wasn't involved in it. But because of the pandemic, every actor that could jumped into voiceover that wasn't yep. doing voiceover before. So it completely saturated the industry. But also, I'm still a newbie, so right, and that's- <laughs> I don't know for sure. That's one thing, too, that still kind of trips me out a little bit is I'm at maybe a year and a half overall of me actually, like, pursuing voiceover as a, as a serious thing. But with you being still so fresh in it as well, and then also with your acting background on top of that, how do you avoid putting too much pressure on yourself? Like, you should have already done more by this point, or you should keep doing this. I know you mentioned earlier, you know, like, not being afraid to take that time off but what is it for you that keeps the pressure off of you in these situations well I think the cool thing with voiceover is you can grow into the career yes so as a dancer unfortunately you kind of have a shelf life and dancers work a lot longer and older than they ever did in the past but Mm -hmm. you know there there comes a time where your body just doesn't want to do it anymore right and that a lot of times make you, makes you not want to do it anymore. So it's kind of hard as a dancer because I always thought, you know, I have to do like so much early in my career because I'm going to get to a point where I can't do it and I don't want to do it anymore. But I think the cool thing about voiceover is you can just completely grow into your career. Absolutely. You know? and, and as you age and get more experience, your voice texture will change. And I just think that that's really cool. And it excites me because I know that, okay, I started this journey during the pandemic and I really enjoy it, but I don't really feel this rush to like, okay, I have to do everything right now. Yeah. You know, I can take the time, I can learn and slowly make my way into the industry book small things here and there, but not feel so stressed that I have to do everything right this moment because right. I'm going to outgrow it. I actually feel like most of the voices that you hear on TV, on the radio, anything are older, you know, and I have a very young mm-hmm. voice. But the cool thing about also having a young voice is that it's voiceover. So you can still play kids even when you're an adult. Yes. You know, like it's not on camera. You don't, 
outgrow that. So I feel like there's a lot of opportunities as I continue. And also the thought too of like, okay, if, you know, in 10, 15 years, I'm like, I don't want to dance anymore because it doesn't feel great. Mm -hmm. I can potentially move into voiceover full time or, you know, you never know where you're going to be at that point in your career. But that's something that excites me to be like, oh, okay, I don't have to stress and say that once my dancing career is over, like I'm done. It's like, no, you're also an actor and you can move into other avenues of of the industry. And voiceover is one of them. Absolutely. Something you were saying there too, especially like you said, a lot of the voices you hear older, but yours is more on the youthful side. So you kind of fall into that young mom, uh, sister, even teenager niche for voiceover. With your acting career outside of that, have you found like that there are certain niches that you tend to stand out or you tend to fit in better than others? Or is that niche thing even a thing in the on-screen acting world for you? Yeah, I think it's a thing across all platforms, you right. know, like you're always going to be categorized. I have a young sounding voice. Luckily, I have a younger looking face. So I'm not really in the phase of getting sent in for mom roles yet. Right, you know? right. I'm still 20s, younger. Sometimes I get submissions for teenagers. Mm-hmm. I'm a little tall and I think I'm kind of outgrowing the teenage thing, which is fine. And that's exciting. But I'm still not in like the mom era yet. So yeah, I think that that goes across everything. But I think for voiceover, the cool thing about it is you're just focusing on one thing, the voice. Mm -hmm. Where on camera, it's like you have your voice, you have what you look like, you know, so much more goes into it. So it's kind of cool with voiceover because you can play a bunch of different things that you're not which I really like absolutely and I know that's that's one thing too especially I remember like going back to the business of voiceover class I remember specifically like the instructor was like you know I could hear you as this or I could hear you as the sister or the young mom for that but like you said that may not translate because you are still so young you know like where it doesn't come across on screen where it may come across behind a microphone so it's amazing how it just opens up all these different doors to all these different opportunities that being behind a camera may not have presented you yeah I feel like there's just more limiting factors if you're on screen because you are what you are you look the way that you do and you know the only thing that they can kind of like play with on camera is height yep You know, a lot of times actors are not as tall as you think they are. Very true. Very true. (laughs) But other than that, it's like, yes, makeup and wigs do wonders. But you look the way that you look. Whereas voiceover, it doesn't matter what you look like, which is cool because then your voice just speaks for itself. Very, very true. And I think... Man, like, that's just another little nugget of wisdom that you've dropped here tonight. Because, like, there have been... I've lost count of how many you've dropped so far (laughs) that are things that I have tried to apply or need to apply to things that I do. So, maybe youthful, but you've got so much wisdom that I think not not only myself, but our audience is going to benefit from from hearing your story as well. So, is there... Thank you. As we come up on an hour, I I don't want to keep you for too long, but is there anything else that you want to get out to our audience? Anything that you want to share? Anything you may have coming up that you want us to keep in touch with and keep, you know, like tune in for? 
nothing specifically coming up at the moment, but I'm always like posting things on my social media pages if I have any performances coming up mm -hmm. anywhere for people to stay tuned. But I think my last thing is just with voiceover, if people in the audience are interested in voiceover, if it piques your interest, I think it's a really cool thing to try. And even yes. if it's just a hobby for you, I've learned so much. I feel like I'm better. <laughs> this may sound really silly, but I took an audio engineering class mm -hmm. and I learned like just so much about the computer just from yeah. taking that class that I didn't know. And that sounds so silly because we use the computer all the time, but there was so much that I didn't know. So just, you know, take that risk, jump into a class that scares you yep. and you might find something you're passionate about. Absolutely 100% true. And I can't think of a better way to wrap up the conversation there. That sums it all up right there. Do something that scares you and find the learning opportunity in it. I mean, how else can you top that? <laughs> yep. That's the way you got to go. After the pandemic, no holding back. That's it. That's <laughs> you gotta it. You got to just dive in and go for it. Yep. Start putting the feet to the pavement and start making those moves now so that when everything is done, the reins are off, kick the doors open, and you're out the door running. I mean, just full on get ready to take the world by the horns and just go. Yep. That's it. <laughs> that's it. Well, guys, that's where we're going to bring it home tonight for this interview. And Melissa, I want to thank you again for your time. Thank you for being <laughs> patient with me going through the brain fog of getting that COVID booster and kind of coming through the crud through this conversation here. So thank you for your patience and getting through that experience with me there. Seriously, I want to thank you for taking the time to come on here and sharing your story and sharing your experiences because seems like there's a common trend that I learn a lot more about my friends through these conversations than I knew from, you know, the things we may talk about off air. So I, I can't thank you enough for that. Well, thank you so much for having me. This was so much fun. Of and course. this is the first podcast I've ever done. So nice. it's been really fun to just talk and experience it for the first time. Absolutely. And I'm glad, like I said, it was my pleasure to have you on as a guest. And guys... If you like the conversation that you just heard and you can put up with me going through the brain fog of everything, make sure that you're telling your friends about this podcast too. Make sure you're following us on all social media platforms, like I said earlier, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. We're on Spotify. We're on iTunes. We're on Google Podcasts. If you follow us on iTunes, man, leave us a five-star review. Tell us what you like about the show. Tell your friends, tell your family, tell everybody so that you can not only hear a great guest like Melissa and her stories, but you can also go back in the archives and start from the beginning. Hear parts of my story, hear other guests' stories, and just find something for everybody in this podcast because whether you take the dive into acting and voiceover, dancing, whatever it may be, or it's looking for a new job, there are little bits and nuggets of wisdom that these guests have shared, especially tonight, that can help you in your everyday life, too. So I hope you guys are finding those little bits of wisdom to pull out and apply to your everyday life and make things better for you. Again, I want to thank Melissa for coming on tonight. I want to thank you guys for tuning in, and I want to thank our sponsors for keeping the show going. We're going to be back at it again next week with another awesome guest. Melissa, thank you again. Thank you so much, Flynn. My pleasure. And guys, we'll catch everybody next week, and I know you hear me. Hi, I'm Will Harridge, and I'm an audio engineer. 
but you would not believe the amount of mediocre voice actors I get in on the daily. It's scary, honestly. I always want to recommend them to Elise Bowman, who's the best voice acting coach I know, but I'm always afraid I'm going to offend them and be out of a job. Thankfully, I send the best ones over to her anyway over at EliseCoaches.com, and they keep coming back. Hi, I'm one of the mediocre talents that Will has to work with. And really, I'm thinking about looking up Elise myself. Go look at Elise Coaches today and start your career without ending mine. What he said.